In this episode, we are talking about Sweet Valkyrie High in depth, and I gotta say, if there were any Sweet Valley High references in this episode, they were completely lost on me. Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 115. listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast waystation for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. And in this episode, we are discussing Sweet Valley High, episode 11 of season 5 of Lost Girl. I can feel the vodka hitting me already. Okay. <sighs> I'm so nervous about this now. <laughs> I drink way too much vodka all at once before we started. <laughs> Speaking of vodka, now. do we have a drink special for this episode, Chris? We do, thanks to Lana. It is called the Valkyrie Cocktail. It says, serve in an old-fashioned glass, two shots, vanilla-infused vodka, half-shot freshly squeezed pink grapefruit juice, and a half-shot vanilla sugar syrup. And we were saying it sounds like it'd be pretty sweet, but could be quite tasty. Sounds good to me. So what did we think of this episode, y'all? We were, I think, mostly pretty favorable on it. Chris and I, I think we said we enjoyed it pretty well. Annie, you were more on the fence about it. But has your have your impressions changed any since you've watched it since? I haven't had a chance to rewatch it. I've only watched it once. But Me too. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty good. So I, I need to go back and watch it again too. I watched it twice, but my second watch through was interrupted and had days in between. Oh so. wow, that's a big interruption. But still, yeah, it was a pretty big interruption. <laughs> Life got in the way. It's it's fine. I will say though, this episode was written by Emily Andrus and it has the hallmarks mm-hmm. of an Emily Andrus episode. There's really great character stuff in there. There's lots of really funny jokes and even some small jokes that kind of just make you smile, but it's very joke dense. And I thought the direction was really good by Bruce McDonald. So I there's lots that I like about this episode, but I'm me and I have to overthink things. <laughs> of course you're you. Of course you're you. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Because, okay, I enjoyed this episode. It was a fun way to spend 44 minutes. But when I start thinking about it, like, in the context of the season and even the series, I start to have some issues with it. Did either of you have that as well? Um, A little bit after you brought it up, yeah. <laughs> way to go, Stephanie. How about you, Chris? I, I guess... Not so much in the context of the series. I'm glad we found out more about Tamsin, but the fact that it's the last season and we're in the last batch of episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to take this much time to tell flashback stories at this point seems a, a weird choice. And I don't mind the flashbacks. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed them, but I thought that we really could have maybe cut out one or two of those or cut them down or something but yeah i agree with you chris because at this point in the series i want the story to be more spread out instead of focused just on one or two characters yeah i famously i'm sure i've mentioned it on this podcast before maybe i haven't but i am not a huge fan of flashbacks no i really in fact quite hate them most of the time are y'all familiar with the pan flute flow chart Eh? no what the hell is that i don't Okay, so So it's this cartoon that the guy over at Toothpaste for Dinner drew, and at the top, the question for the flowchart is, do I need a pan flute? And so, you know, if you answer no, you follow the arrow, and you get to no pan flute. Simple. If you answer yes, you follow the arrow, and you get to where it says, no, you don't, and then you follow the arrow to no pan flute. 
replace pan flute in this scenario with flashbacks. And that's how I feel about flashbacks. Like, <laughs> no matter your situation, I just feel like you don't need flashbacks. So I, that's my particular bias. 99% of the time, I feel like they're not used very well. I didn't hate them here. I There was some stuff that we hadn't seen before that we got to learn from them. But like you said, Chris, I feel like we didn't need quite as many of them as we got. Yeah. Seriously, y'all, the pan flute flip chart is fantastic. Well, include a diagram of it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. Because I was going to say link to it in the show I notes. Yeah. I, I occasionally enjoy flashbacks. I, I think they can be used well on Lost Girl, especially since the whole point is everybody's really old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, again, I... So much of it is all Tamsin, and I think we're going to talk about this in a bit, or we could talk about it now, I don't know. But just the fact that we're in the last group of episodes, and it's just about Tamsin, and that's okay, but it feels weird at this point. Well, time is so precious, because we only have five episodes left now, and I feel like, you know, yeah. The fact that Tamsin is the our only main character driving the A-plot in this episode is very weird, right? This is not something the show does frequently. It's not like Buffy very often, at least once or twice a season, would have an episode that was really focused on one of the supporting characters, and so that character would really drive the A-plot for that episode. But The Zeppo. Yeah, like the Zeppo, like Doppelgangland, like, oh, I'm trying to think of the Giles episode in season four, I think, where he turned into a demon. You know, there were several like that. So it wasn't weird when that happened. But Lost Girl, that's not really a thing that Lost Girl does. The only other examples I can think of are In Memoriam and Sleeping Beauty School. But the whole point was that Bo was missing, <laughs> especially in In Memoriam. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole point was she's not there. It's this weird alternate reality. So it was very strange for me. So it still kind of revolves around her because it, it revolved around her absence. Yeah. So, so it was, very, it was yeah. very strange to me that the A-plot, o- only Tamsin was involved in the A-plot. And I'm nothing against Tamsin. I really don't. And like, I thought this was a good storyline for her. I I liked what we saw of her and her backstory here. But it just made me remember our discussion that we had in our mid-season review, talking about the fact that Bo hadn't had a really strong story arc in the first half of the season. And this just kind of seems like more evidence that they don't really know what to do with Bo this season. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the 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 thing is like the story is being driven. It revolves around this whole situation with Jack. So it is about Bo, but it does like all the all the most character development, the character arcs themselves. I mean, as we were talking about in the mid season review, the one character arc that we really got in that group of eight episodes was about Tamsin. Right. Hmm. And, like, I don't mind that we learned more about Tamsin. I'm glad Tamsin got a character arc. But it's the last season of the series. Why is it not about Bo? Yeah. Bo should at least get a character arc, like a clear, discernible character arc. I feel like it's everything that's happening, you know, in terms of character arcs or story is about related to Bo, but it's all through Hades slash Jack. I feel weird calling him Jack still. But... Yeah, it's just, it it always seems to be through this weird, you know, through character A, related to character C, then related to character Bo. I always feel like it's an indirect weird route to go back to Bo, and I don't want Bo to be that separated from the main arc. Yeah, because like in the early seasons, it was about her quest to find out about these people. Yeah. And now he's here, but it it is less centered on Bo herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Because it feels to me like Bo's character arc has really been stalled since about episode three, because it's like she's uncertain and worried about her father. She's still uncertain and worried about her father. There really hasn't been that much progression. We've got this new element added in about Lauren, but yeah, it just doesn't feel like there's been a whole lot of movement for her on a character arc this season. Well, and even with Bo and Lauren, it's annoying that Bo tries to bring up with Lauren what's going on with her ability with being a conduit, and Lauren doesn't want to talk about it and relates it back to Jack. And I'm like, wait, but what are we gonna are we gonna talk about this? So it's great to see sucking face and sucking chi, but Bo wants to talk about it, and I want to hear about it, Lauren. So why is Lauren not talking to her about it? Docubus57 says, I really wish they wouldn't have wasted one of the last episodes on a Tamsin flashback, and we know almost nothing about Lauren. I disagree with you about that, but yeah, we haven't had a Lauren flashback. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, we haven't had a Kenzie one. Like, really, the only, only character we've gotten flashbacks for would be Dyson and Trick. Right. And I mean, because they're people who have had really, really long lives and have not lived in or have lived in generations other than this one. You know what I mean? Right. Like, there's something sexy the, about that. The humanness is, <laughs> you know, they can do costumes is really what it is. Yeah, they can do <laughs> costumes. They can make the, the flashbacks look really different from the way the show usually looks. So there's something sexy about doing flashbacks for our really old characters. Even if you hate them. I find that a contradiction. You're saying that, Stephanie. I'm just <laughs> kidding. No, no, no. I, I, I think she means from the perspective of the show writers. Uh, okay. From the perspective just... of the writers, yeah. Because if you're making the show, you're like, ooh, we can do this and, and we can get to do, yeah. you know, make everything look like it's in the 50s or early 60s or whatever. and Or put people in medieval garb and lots of eye makeup for some reason. <laughs> Remember the black nails in the, in the medieval times? But I do take Docubus 57's point that sometimes I feel like we don't have a clear grasp on Lauren's past, whereas we have, and now especially, we have a clear grasp on sort of where Tamsin came from, where Dyson came from, where Trick came from, where Bo came from. Right. But Lauren, it's still very nebulous. We still haven't gotten a whole lot of clarity. Though I guess they have more or less described the whole Karen Beatty part of her past. I was going to say, I think we've gotten lots and lots of details, but sort of less of an overarching picture, Yeah. yeah. if that makes sense. But I don't want to make it about, like, you know, why Tamsin and not some other character. Because I, I don't want it no, to sound right. like I'm I'm regretting Tamsin a backstory. I'm not. But like you said, it's, I think it's it's part of the, the last season-ness of this mm -hmm. season. And it's mm -hmm. like, eh, there's so much that we still need to wrap up. And we're concentrating on just one character so heavily in this episode. It could have been an entire episode about Trick. And I probably would be saying the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I mean, had this episode been done a season ago, I would have been fine with it in terms of where it stands in the arc of the series, but this type of episode. I think that's true of me, too. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's less <laughs> it's less about the story itself and more about the, but it's almost over. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. We have to solve this thing with Jack so we can get, get on from... <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Which makes me feel a little unfair because... You know, I, I want to be like, I should judge this episode on its own merits and try not to come into it with all these expectations with where the season should be going, but I can't help it. Well, it's, you know, only fair to talk about that. It just makes sense to talk about the arc of a season as well as an episode itself. I mean, that's how we generally look at things. I don't know. I'm kind of worried that now that the rest of the season will just be, again, Bo just related to Hades and that whole storyline and not anything really centered on her. The other issues, for me at least, that this this episode kind of caused is I feel like they introduced a big 
batch of continuity issues <laughs> with this episode. <laughs> and we got actually a, a voicemail from Jay essentially asking the same questions. So here is what Jay had to say. Hey, this is uh, Jay again. Uh, my Twitter handle is the same Jay. So I just finished watching the latest Lost Girl episode about Tamsin, which, I mean, I don't know if I hated the episode or if I liked the episode. I mean, it is my Tam Tam, so I then love me some Tam Tam. Um, but I was really confused, and I was hoping that uh, maybe you guys can clear this up for me. <laughs> I have a few questions about this episode. Uh, number one, uh, when Tamsin reveals her wings to Freya, I think, before she dropped out of school, I was kind of confused because I'm pretty sure that they mentioned the only way the Valkyrie get wings is if they're on their last life. And I'm confused because I'm pretty sure when she was in high school, that wasn't her last life. Although she just recently went to high school. I don't know when this, I, but it seems, which brings to my next question. It seems like when she went to high school, it was probably like the forties or fifties. If that is the case, then how would that explain all this war stories that she had with Acacia in, like, season three of, like, all these big wars that happened way, way before that? So uh, that's confusing because I'm like, so Valkyries do war and then they go to high school or every time they're reborn they go to high school? I don't know. So I'm really confused. Uh, I wanted to learn more information about Tamsin, but this just makes everything that they talked about in season three and season four more confusing because I don't understand what was going on. Uh, other than that, uh, I guess I, lo- I love learning more about Tamsin, and I'm so sad that she was heartbroken, and I was kind of upset that they mentioned because of our heartbreak now she's a better Valk- Valkyrie or whatever. So I'm like, okay, writer, sure, you just... I'm still upset with the whole heartbroken thing, but I just wanted to get your answers and maybe you can clear it up, clear up my confusion. Okay. Bye guys. But like Jay was saying, yeah, when, when Tamsin got her wings last season in season four, they made a big deal with the fact like, oh, she's on her last lifetime and Valkyrie doesn't get her wings until her last lifetime. But this episode, from what I understand, it seems to be taking place during the 1950s. So it couldn't have been this most recent lifetime, right? So it's clear that it's a different lifetime. Oh, yeah, because it takes place before she got reborn as child Tamsin. Yeah, back in season four. So confusing. I can come up with some stuff to, like, maybe excuse some of this. I mean, it's... I love it when Chris does this. I just have to... Yeah. (laughs) Because it's more work than I should have to do, like, as a viewer. That's that's the thing. It's, like, it's so much work. We really shouldn't have to do this much work. What's it called? A fan wank? That's what Stephanie likes to call it, yes. <laughs> Chris is like, I do not like to call it that. Stephanie calls it that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't call it that. Sorry. Every time I hear the name wank, the, the word wank, I just want to say wanker. You're a wanker, number nine. I just have to throw that out there if you know what that's well, from. they're related. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> sorry, Chris. Go ahead. <sighs> We're never getting through this. I'm sorry. Yeah, I. What was I going to say? I don't even know now. Your wank about the wings. <laughs> Explaining all the <laughs> my fanon, my head cannon. <laughs> yes, there you go. Okay, so there. Tamsin made the deal with Trick in the flashback that we saw before. Maybe Stephanie's blocked it out because she hates flashbacks. No, I, I don't know. I remember. I remember. But uh, I'm teasing. <laughs> I know. I'm teasing. But essentially, she made a deal with Trick where Trick gave her more time. I guess. So I don't know. Maybe maybe Tamsin has a couple of extra last lives. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. Just a couple <laughs> last wings for 
If emergency, press here and wings will come out. <laughs> I just like the... What did I say? What did I just say? I like the phrase Wanker? wank, wank about the wings. I just some nice alliteration. The wing wank. <laughs> <laughs> My mind is going to some gross places right now. <laughs> exactly. That's why I said it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, don't gesture too. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that the wings came out and then they went back in, but to see. <laughs> Uh, I didn't realize what I said until I just said it. I love that. Oh, this just keeps getting worse. It does. It really does. Th- that there were still, like, you know, the effects of the wings on her back. Like, blood, you see yeah. the, the blood. And I don't remember that from the first time the wings oh, came they did out. It. Oh, okay. I did. Remember, she had bloody spots oh, on yeah, her yeah. white yeah. shirt. But I always mm-hmm. think that's interesting. It's like an, you know, X-Men angel type thing or... Or a black swan type thing. Yeah, yeah. But I just always thought that was a cool effect. I just had to mention that. But is it like Wolverine where she heals later? I don't know. Does she, does, do the wings like heal over after they go back in? Or, well, I don't know. It's just, I'm curious how Valkyrie anatomy works. I just, I'm curious about the wing wank now. <laughs> We're talking about a show where a dude turns into a wolf, Annie. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Addressing another question that Jay had, because Jay was talking about the, you know, the fact that they talked about wars and stuff in past Mm -hmm. lives and, but she only went to school in the fifties and yes, because apparently there's some implication and I can't remember if we talked about this in the first impressions episode or not, but the implication is that this is, you know, because it's a, a new life, some of the memories had been wiped clean. And so now she, you know, doesn't remember the past lives and is going to school again. I, I kind of wonder if it's some sort of like reindoctrination thing since, since she, she is using the doubt powers, but apparently in the fifties, they were not doing that anymore. Mm. Uh, maybe it's supposed to be a commentary on like post world war two era, but I don't think we were particularly pacifist. We were like the United States was in the Korean war. Anyway, sorry. What does that have to do with anything? Well, a switch of values maybe is okay. supposed to be reflective of the culture at the time. I don't know. I mean, I I assume that's what it was going for. I mean, like in in terms of like it's not a big medieval warrior culture anymore. It's oh, more of okay. A, okay. But maybe in Canada, because you know. Canada they sent soldiers over to World War II, but maybe they were going through a big pacifist phase in the fifties slash early sixties. Wow, you guys are getting way too deep for me. Sorry. I just no, you always <laughs> well, you always do. I'm just the one who's all about wanking. But I <laughs> it was interesting because I think at one point in the in this episode they referred to having to do Valkyrie High like over and over again. So yeah. do you think it's like, you know, every time they get reborn they have to learn everything from scratch so they go back to Valkyrie High. Which seems to be always That's in the 50s. kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah, that was the implication. That line seemed to try to rescue the the episode from continuity problems, and it does to a certain extent, but it doesn't <laughs> But it quite, just made me confused. It, it kind of throws a life preserver, but they're still out there in the sea, like, clinging on for dear life. Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought this episode, it really insinuated that this was the first time that Tamsin had met Acacia. And yet, in the context of this same episode, they make reference to fighting in the Taiping Revolution together, which I believe was in the 1850s. 
So way before the 1950s, 100 years, in fact. <laughs> I mean, I always kind of wonder, like, is there some sort of thing where, like, they lose their memory for a certain amount of time and have to go through training again and yeah. then they, they eventually regain some of the memories from the past lives? <sighs> I don't know. But how is Tamsin able to battle with Acacia in past lives then? But I mean, that's what we, we saw in season four and five is Tamsin, when reborn, didn't remember right. stuff from before and then they for came a back. while. Yeah. It's very confusing. You just need something to be simple, you know? <laughs> Well, see, it would be if we didn't think about it too hard. That's true. We are. That's the thing. I feel like if you're a casual viewer of the show, you would probably be like, okay, fine. Uh, but for people like us who <laughs> spend way too much time talking about this show, it can be potentially confusing because we're like, but we they established in episode, you know, four of season four, turned to stole, that Valkyries, they received their wigs at their very last lifetime. So what does this mean? Like, you know, we get into these this nerdy mode where we pick apart everything. A wizard did it. <laughs> Yep. Universal <laughs> explanation. <laughs> but for me, the big thing that leaves Tamsin kind of floating out there in the sea was that in season three, especially in Those Who Wander, they made it very clear that Tamsin was supposed to be very, very old before she did her whole kamikaze stunt in Those Who Wander. And yet we see her seeming to be a relatively fresh young Valkyrie in the 1950s. Yeah, that was kind of different. I mean, and I, I did think it was such a different change. I mean, it was... um. It was kind of amusing to see Tamsin be such a goody two-shoes. And I guess they're trying to build character development and showing how she got trained how to doubt and, you know, literally throw the book out and like a, you know, dead poet society kind of moment to where these snarkers said in the review. So it was amusing to see that fresh face Valkyrie kind of thing. But yeah, the continuity issues are mind-boggling. It was fun to see Tamsin be a goody two-shoes. I think my favorite goody two-shoes moment from her though was when she met acacia late at night out on a bench and she was like is it really necessary to meet this late <laughs> like, <laughs> just completely disgusted at being awake at that hour <laughs> it was like midnight or something right i know <laughs> can, can we talk about linda hamilton as acacia in the 50s as as a teacher as hot Absolutely school teacher because, you mean? um yummy like how sexy was she in her like librarian's girl mar school mom garb that was really working for me yeah it was working for me, too. Oh, I know. She looks good. Mm -hmm. She looks really good. I like it. What is the name of that hairstyle? Do either of you know? You probably don't. Anybody listening know? <laughs> but I loved her in that hairstyle. I love how you just assume we don't know. <laughs> do no, you, you? You guys wouldn't know. <laughs> well, do you? No. You're right. We don't know. Or I don't know. <laughs> so, I was right. Look, I almost poked my eye out with a mascara pen. <laughs> trying to do my bow makeup of course i don't pen? know anything about hair mascara pen it's a wand. Well, see <laughs> wand no i think it was the, I, the pencil oh the eyeliner yeah the eyeliner yeah ah, i almost killed okay. myself blinded yourself maybe and he doesn't know the difference between <laughs> mascara and eyeliner exactly why do you think cosplaying his bow was so hard i've never applied makeup to myself so that is that is my expertise in that i have but not mascara because mascara scares me <laughs> We are such wimps. Anyway. We are such wimps, unlike Acacia and Tamsin, who are big badasses. See how I made a transition back to the actual topic. <laughs> you can tell because of their intense eye makeup. <laughs> it's true. I'm not going to, I'm not scared I'm going to poke myself in the <laughs> eye at all. Oh, then Bo is like the bravest of them all. Do you see how much eye makeup that exactly. woman wears? I know. 
But it was great seeing Acacia and Tamsin team up for that fight. I especially love that when Stacy went to try to join them, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, really? I missed that. We got this. Yeah, they like... They just like shoved her behind shoved them. Her behind them. <laughs> well, I love how they're having a discussion in the middle of the whole fight. Like, it's nothing at all, but they're still like fighting away. Yes, that's when they were talking about... She was like, I saved your ass in the Taiping Revolution. She's like, you saved my leg. I saved your ass when you fell on that bamboo. <laughs> And then I thought the the heart-to-heart that we got between Acacia and Tamsin was so great in this episode. Mm -hmm. They were wonderful in that scene. Yeah. So good. And I I really think it kind of showed the what Acacia was trying to teach Tamsin. You know, she might have been, you know, a hard ass back in the 50s and trying to get her to go beyond just the goody two-shoes. And But she was trying to teach her about how to doubt. But then she says, well, the real reason is you have access to all your emotions now. And that's what makes you you know, so good. But yeah, she seems to really care for Tamsin. And I just, I love that heart to heart. And to see Tamsin so vulnerable, I always think Rachel does that so well. That was another thing. I know Jay had a problem with that, but I kind of liked it. The whole, you know, Tamsin had her heart broken and now she's stronger for it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's true, Mm -hmm. right? I Mm -hmm. mean, once you have your heart broken and you, you know, get through it, you're like, oh, now I know that I can survive such things. Yeah. Especially since as we were introduced to Tamsin, she was this brash kind of loner type. She lived in her truck. She didn't seem to have strong emotional attachments to people. So bringing her to this point where she does form a strong emotional attachment, it doesn't turn out well, but she comes out on the other side okay. I think mm-hmm. that is an appropriate an appropriate experience to put that type of character through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really love how she says she doesn't regret loving Bo, that she learned from it. Yeah, that scene, I think it shed some light for me on what the writers were going for with this Bo Tamsin storyline this season, which I haven't loved. <laughs> I I still think that it made Bo look like a jerk face and it made Tamsin look really naive. And I don't really understand why they went that way with it. But I must say, I didn't mind how we see it kind of wrap up in this episode. I'm, wrap up's maybe a bad word. I'm not saying it's over, over, but we kind of see where the storyline was There's headed. resolution to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So how did y'all feel about that? It, it may be retrospectively thinking about the that arc as a whole between Bo and Tamsin. I do think this is maybe the best possible way they could have given it resolution. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, it. I didn't mind it so much before. It did make them both look... Not particularly great, but it's in ways that I kind of feel are understandable, right? I mean, yes, they're behaving in ways that aren't great, but they're not unrealistic, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, sometimes love does make you stupid, and sometimes you don't see what somebody else is feeling, and you know. And then you say the wrong thing when you're confronted with it, yeah. Right. And I think in this case for Bo, you could also, if you wanted to, add in the fact that she was going through losing her best friend as well. Maybe that just made her extra self-absorbed and not seeing what was in front of her. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I'm glad that it ended at, at the end of this episode in such a good place that Tamsin and Bo were, were clear with each other and that Tamsin said to Bo, well, I'd rather have you have you as a friend than, you know, nothing. And I like how the motivation, you know, the scene with Tamsin and Acacia led to the scene with Tamsin and Jack where... She said, you know, basically, I'm going to, if you go for my friends, you're going to have to go through me. Because she's using, you know, what she was just saying in the conversation with Acacia, you know, how that made her stronger to really go and stand up to Jack. 
Well, to put a pin in that, because I do want to talk about that, but I wanted, I wanted to mention something else first in regards to the way that it concluded, the Bo Tamsin stuff concluded in this episode with this idea that experiencing that true vulnerability was what allowed her to harness the full powers of her doubt ability. It kind of felt like they shoved what could have been a seasons-long arc for Tamsin as a character into one episode. I kind of wish that they had introduced that earlier, this idea that Tamsin, she has this ability as a Valkyrie, but it wasn't something she could use to its full potential. I wish they'd maybe mentioned that a little earlier, because I think that could have been a cool multiple season arc for her even. What, that she wasn't using her doubt to her full potential? Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it's interesting that that's brought up now, because I feel like she's been so powerful exactly. already with her yeah. doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you in that I feel like that moment could have landed a lot stronger if they'd maybe, you know, hinted at that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe the first episode that we're introduced to Acacia, maybe we get a sense of that. Yeah, that would have been a good place to put it. Yeah. So that that's my one critique of that conclusion is that when they said that, I was like, what? That could have been something that they'd sewn in season three. That could have been a multi-season arc for this character. But, you know, they did it this way and it's fine. But I, I think it could have been a, a really good longer arc. But that's just my personal personal opinion yeah there was a lot of tams and stuff put into this one episode where it could have been spread out as we said and could have balanced the last season a little bit more but the one thing i did like about acacia this episode was finally finally seeing her do the only one thing you only liked one thing about acacia i like so many things (laughs) okay the one okay i'm sorry the one of the many things i liked about acacia yeah (laughs) oh forgive me oh can't say that about Linda Hamilton. No, but, that's what I'm saying. No, I, I know, I know. My error of my ways. I'm sorry. I'm just stuck on the wing wanking. But <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, but one of the things I like was that we finally got to see Acacia do the doubt off, mm-hmm. and the Val. You know, that was really cool seeing Acacia, Tamsin, and. Stacy, I'll, I'll doubt Freya. I was really glad that we got a return of a doubt off because I liked the concept back in episode two, but the fact that it seemed to be about, oh, your hair looks terrible was kind of yeah. a little disappointing to me. This one, it was like, oh, they're actually It did playing. turn into like a Mean Girls yeah. hair pulling situation. But this time it felt like there were more serious insecurities that they were playing on. And so I, I liked the doubt off a lot this this episode. Which is the whole point of a doubt off and a Valkyrie's powers. So, yeah. But yeah, this is a question I have. Tamsin seems to be the only one of the Valkyries at Valkyrie school who, I mean, she, she starts doing the, the doubt power stuff, but without really thinking everybody about it. Everybody else, yeah, and everybody else seems all shocked and everything by it. But, but why? Like, what, what sets Tamsin apart? Like, what's the situation there? Yeah, I thought Are that was the others really, really young? Like, actually young? As in that isn't their 25th life, it's just their third or something? Yeah. Do they all revert to their younger selves when they're reborn? Like, what's, I, I think I mean, that, yeah, that was, I think you had mentioned that earlier. That might have been the implication. But what made Tamsin special? That she had kind of her uncontrolled doubt powers that made Acacia pick her out. That I can't. But that's what I'm asking. Like, do they actually all do that? Or is it just Tamsin who somehow reverts every time since the others i i just i don't know i have questions yeah yeah i have questions about that too i'm also curious how long is valkyrie school actually because when we saw tamsin grow up this past lifetime she was only really a teenager for what seemed like a week or so week or two. yeah a couple weeks yeah 
I would have loved it if high school was only a week or two. That would have been great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Torture only lasts <laughs> yeah. a week. Uh, high school was the worst. It was it not was. good. It was not good. But um, I don't know. Do do lives get shorter as they get older? Like, uh, now I'm just all confused. I think we're wanking too hard, guys. <laughs> Should we move on? Okay, so I had a conversation with Melody Killingsworth this week, who has been on the podcast several times. She she blogs about the episodes over at melsbells.wordpress.com. And I had a couple of conversations like this this week where, there, where somebody said this thing about, well, clearly in this episode, blah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> and what Melanie said was, and clearly they implied that Tamsin and Acacia had like a thing, right? I'm like... No, I didn't get that at all. I could see that. I didn't get that either. But I, do you think that that's what they were implying? It, if, unless she means, unless when she says a thing, she means like a mentorship no, thing. No, that's not what no. she means. She means a sexy thing. She means a sex thing. I, I got that, Eddie. I'm, I'm saying that I don't get that at all is what I'm saying. Oh, I could see it. <laughs> now, now that someone says it, I'm but, all, yeah. no. Okay, hang on though. But Annie, Annie you you see it regardless of exactly <laughs> point. Oh, okay, this isn't like can you fantasize about this? Is <laughs> the question is is it implied by the sh- by the actual episode, the text of the episode, and the actors' performances? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's ho- so hard to separate the two for me. <laughs> it's I was yeah. say, Annie, Annie, at this point is like I'm thinking about it so much I can't tell anymore. <laughs> Because Melanie thought they were they were perhaps making a reference to she said loving Annabelle, which is a very bad but has a pretty good sex scene in it lesbian movie from like back in the <laughs> or it's late nineties. It's bad. It's bad, Annie. It's bad. <laughs> but again, Annie focuses on the sex scenes probably. So just it's just the one, but it's a really good one. I will say that. So That's true. <laughs> It's a pretty bad movie, but that one is actually, it's based off of a film made in the 1930s called Madchen in Uniform. And that one was bad, but good. Oh, I haven't seen that one. No, but... no, they're both g- bad, but good. I mean, yeah, they're both whatever. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. They're both bad, but they have a good sex scene. No. I'm yeah. Not... <laughs> but the basic plot of both of them is that there's a female teacher who has an affair with a young female student in the context of a boarding school. And so Melanie thought they might have been trying to make a reference to either loving Ella, Annabelle or I think more likely Madchen in uniform. And you maybe, never know. But I just really did not get a sexual vibe between the two of them, except for the fact that I thought it was very inappropriate that Team Tamsin was wearing those very small pajama shorts. I felt very yeah, uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she walked out and I was all, Ugh. like, that's all you're going to wear? Because, I mean, it was supposed to be like the 50s, so it was like bloomers. Yeah, yeah but they were tiny, tiny bloomers. Her bloomers could have been much longer. <laughs> But I mean, like, bloopers are underwear, is what I'm saying. Yes, I know. I know. So, But it, it, give her some bigger underpants, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I covered her tiny little Valkyrie cheeks and not much else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm getting a fairly clear idea of what her bum looks like as she walks away. I don't like it. I feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> She's supposed to be a teenager. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. But I did think she looked adorable with the little rags tying up her curls. That was that was cute. Yep. So moving into what we learned from Tamsin's solo mission, which I, I did think it was sweet that Tamsin wanted to try to do this thing to help Bo out. Because that was the whole thing, right? She set it up to bring Stacy along so that Stacy could take Hades' soul and 
remove the problem for Bo as well as kind of Stacy could repay her debt to Freya. I, I liked that Tamsin was motivated to do that. I thought that was sweet. It was. Yeah. I had the thought, like, I enjoyed Stacy a lot. I think Kate Corbett's really fun in that role. But mm-hmm. I, I made me think, like, oh, Kenzie would have been great as a tag along for ta- for this thing. But that's okay. She's not here. That's okay. I'll get over it. Eventually. I did no, love classic Andrus line. I almost chalupa to my pants. <laughs> and the fact that she's, again, working at a burrito factory, or what is it? Burrito what? Bayou Burrito. Bayou, Bayou Burrito. burrito. And Kate Corbett said she did really love that orange outfit she was yeah, wearing on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Tamsin went on the solo mission, and we got some information, because they were going on the hunch that maybe Freya had used some necklace to trick Hades to end up in the underworld. But she's like, nope, he did it on purpose to build an army. And I think that matches what we've heard Bo say when she's in super succubus mode in seasons two and three. That she will lead his army. Yeah. Exactly. And I know this is not its name, but I can't help but call it the Persimmon Necklace. If it didn't actually send Hades to the Underworld, I'm wondering if it'll be still useful to them now that they have it. What's the actual name of this Persimmon Necklace? You're just coming up with stuff like Papaya Horse. (laughs) It seemed appropriate. It was like Burst. It sounded a lot like Persimmon, so much so that I couldn't write down anything but Persimmon. Chris, do you know? No, I don't. It began with a B, but it sounded like Persimmon to me, so that's what I'm calling it. Okay. I'm sticking with the fruit theme and just calling it the persimmon necklace. <laughs> we're just calling everything fruit on this. For everything we cannot pronounce in this show, well, we're going to name it after some fruit. Well, we are very queer around here, Annie, so. <laughs> what is... I don't get it. Anyway. Oh my god, you don't get that joke? No, I don't get any jokes. That's the point of my dumb humor. <laughs> Gay people, sometimes derogatorily called fruits. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> But I am curious about the persimmon necklace, if it'll actually be helpful. Mm. I mean, it seems like it should be. I mean, otherwise, why would why would Tamsin take it otherwise? Because the point of the persimmon necklace was to what? What was the power behind it? Allegedly, she had seduced Hades mm. with it. To pick the short straw. And that's straw. what got him to, right, take the short straw. But that's not actually what happened. Right. But speaking of, like, props in the show i have a question about when tamsin showed hades the the check that he gave her mm-hmm. i'm like what language is that and what symbol is that on there because i was looking at a screen grab i'm like is that the dark face symbol it was just interesting well, i mean all the face stuff seems to be in runes in runes yeah so anyway it was very interesting seeing what a fey check looked like and i wonder how much it was for but apparently tamsin's not interested in money and finally making it you know, crystal clear that, yes, it was Hades that hi- hired Tamsin. So when he refers to the eyes, both brown and blue thing. Jumping back to the persimmon necklace thing and it having some sort of consequence. That's my big thing is I hope that since we spent it this episode focusing on Tamsin, that w- what she went through will actually have some consequences. Because at first, where we get that last scene where Tamsin goes to Hades and says to Jack, I can't call him Hades. I'm trying, but it's just, it's weird. I can't call him Jack. I'm the opposite. Whatever you call him, as long as it's either <laughs> Jack or Hades or something else they've called him on the show, we will understand. Okay. So Tamsin goes to Jack and tries to be like, oh, you'll need a general. I can be your general. And he's like, you know, you're a terrible liar. I don't believe you. I was kind of like, well, damn, then what was the point of her going and mastering her doubt ability? But at the same time, I was I like, know, right? I'm mm-hmm. glad that he didn't buy that obvious lie, because I would have felt like, surely he can't <laughs> be that dumb. <laughs> Fair enough. But then, but still, I'm, I'm left with this whole, like, well, then why? Yeah. Why did they have that whole thing about 
oh, he wants an army and he wants you to lead it. Like, why did they go down that road if they're going to immediately say, no, not that could happen? Right. Because he's still planning on building the army, apparently. That was the impression that I got. But Right. But, but why take this path to that story? Yeah. Is I, I what I'm don't saying. know. Yeah. And and the other thing about the necklace, basically it has succubus powers. Is that what we're hearing? Mm. And if so, what does that mean? Hmm. I hadn't thought about it that way. Because if she used it to seduce him. Yeah. Because that's the succubus worm touch, tingly touch, whatever you want to call it, touch. Mm. So why? Hmm. What's the what's the significance there? Yeah. I'm just really hoping there'll be some follow-up to both the necklace and the fact that Tamsin is kind of like, I'll lead your army. I don't know. I don't know what that follow-up might be, but I'm hoping well, there's some kind of follow-up. I'm wondering if now if Hades could take action against Tamsin for refusing to lead his army and defending against him instead to defend. Did she? Well, she offered, and then he's like, you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, just the fact that she's sticking up for her friends against him, if he'll, you know, I, I'm worried about Tamsin, you know, mm-hmm. to make an enemy of Hades, that kind of thing. I'm worried about all of them. Great. Fan the flames of my worry. <laughs> now. I'm I'm always worried about all of them. It doesn't mean that I think anything will happen to them. True. <sighs> We've been over the same. I know. <laughs> and Chris, you actually added in the notes, but I, I liked that you noted this, that this solo mission that Tamsin attempted that was ultimately unsuccessful, it reinforced the, the theme that the show has had about nobody really succeeds when they try to solve the problem by themselves. They need to work at it together as a group. So I like that they revisited that theme in this episode here. Well, that yeah. usually is how it goes on TV. It's kind of dumb to go off by yourself and it's not going to come out well. Exactly. I mean, because they, I mean, they, they had that whole thing, was it last season, Dyson went and tried to do something and mm-hmm. was that what it was? No, Beautret went off and tried to do something without... Dyson and Lauren, mm-hmm. that didn't go so well. So <laughs> it never goes well. It Just don't you you have a team, use them. Use the team. Mm-hmm. But since we've been talking about Jack Daddy, can I call him Jack Daddy? I kind of like that nickname that no. Kenzie gave him. It's weird. <laughs> oh yeah, and he's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted to say this ne- last week, but again, I'll say it this week. I think that Eric Roberts is continuing to be a really good addition to the show. I thought the scenes that he had with both Ebony and Tamsin were great. Mm-hmm. I, I especially like that scene with Ebony because mm-hmm. she started flirting with him. I and was making both so uncomfortable. <laughs> That was my favorite, too. I loved how uncomfortable Bo was. I, Tamsin, I'm sorry, not Tamsin. Morgan got off some good lines. I like, I thought you'd have a face like a foot. <laughs> I don't know. I know, I didn't it. catch that. And then, How do you get so tan and Tartarus? And yeah. that, that's just like her natural go-to is to flirt, you know? And then how Eric Roberts said that line, you're like, goddamn Morgan. And she's like, yes, I am. It was a great little pep talk. And I'm curious about that green apple that was on his table, because it was there in all of the scenes that he had. And I'm wondering I didn't notice it. if it has any sort of significance. You think everything has significance, even when it doesn't? I know. <laughs> but then she looks really, really smart when they do. Thinking about the green apple, though. So thinking about mythology, my first thought goes to the whole... I think there was an apple involved in the Helen of Troy thing, but there's also the correlation between the pomegranates that Persephone supposedly ate in the underworld and that getting changed into apples in like the Adam and Eve story. 
because, you know, we, we think about Eve biting into an apple, but supposedly it was probably supposed to be a pomegranate in the original text. Like, does it have something to do with sin? I don't know. That's where my head has been going the past week. But I just, I noticed the green apple and I'm curious if it has any significance. It probably doesn't, but it was there. And why was it there? He never ate it. You could be right, Stephanie, but you wank harder than anybody <laughs> I know when it comes to fan wanking. That's not a fan wank. That's just me wondering about things, Annie. You make my head hurt. I'm But sorry. in a good way. We can talk about Bo Lauren and Ebony now. Well, I wish that cheese suck kiss would have led to wanking, but not this episode. <laughs> Documents shower sex. Where is it? But at least they kissed, right? Yes. But again, why did Lauren stop Bo from processing and going, you know, I, I'm just worried because Lauren is keeping things from Bo and I don't, you know, especially now that they're in a relationship. And I'm like, Lauren, bad habits again. Why didn't you tell Bo that it's implied that Hades is the one that examined her? And why do you not want her to talk about your conduit powers? I'm more like, why would Lauren trust Hades to examine her? Exactly. That's, just, yeah. that's a bad idea, yeah. Lauren. Yeah. And she changed the subject twice in this episode. It was the first in that first scene. Where Bo tried to say, can we talk about, and then Lauren changes it to talk about Bo's dad. And then she also changed the subject, I th I think, when Bo brought her the totally not smoothies, they were just juice because they were not icy at all, in the <laughs> lab. <laughs> so yeah. picky. It's fine. I'm, it's fine. I'm just pointing it out. But Bo is, they're talking about, I think Bo, what Bo says is that when did turning the Morrigan Faye become part of your plan and lauren's like why did you come here again she doesn't answer at all mm, no but wasn't it still all with the intention to protect Bo because the morgan was going to kill Bo? that's why she did it right well now i'm wondering because i'm still not in 100 percent clear about what her intentions were with the morgan well were they all intents and purposes nefarious intentions or you know, not so good intentions. She just wanted to get rid of her and this was the only way how or that she had, I don't know. I think that at the very least she told herself it was partially to eliminate a threat to Bo, but it's seeming more and more like it was potentially part of a plan to, if not turn herself Faye, at least be able to do research into splicing her DNA with Faye DNA to at the very least extend her life. It's seeming like that in this season at least. Yeah. But because, here's what I'm worried about, because, and that I need clarification on, because she says Evany's sick, and she's beyond curing, apparently, but she never really says what the disease is, and did the Morgan getting sick just have to do with her being cursed by a fae, or because she's human now and more physically weak? Both. Because she got turned human. The cursing didn't take effect because she was too powerful as Faye. Yeah, I got that. So when she became human, the curse took effect. And therefore weaker. Yeah. It all... Coalesced. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm wondering if her being human... Like, I'm wondering if the effects of Lauren turning her human and Lauren's science not being perfect and having its side effects, that also made her sick. Possibly? I don't know. It's hard to tell. I suppose it's possible, but that's not what they said in the episode. Okay, yeah. Because what I'm worried about now is that it retroactively happening now that Lauren has turned herself unintentionally into a conduit or extended her lifetime, will there be side effects of Lauren and she's going to get sick? See, this is why, again, I'm worried for all the characters. But I'm really I'd worried about Lauren. I'd say that's... Connecting things that aren't in the text connected. But I do think that we see some worry from Lauren about that in this episode. I think maybe when 
Ebony says that, oh, I was probably cursed by so-and-so, I think maybe Lauren's worry lifts a little bit. But when Ebony first says, I don't feel well, I do Mm -hmm. see a big, like, oh, no, in Lauren's face that I think is connected to her also fiddling around with her own genes. Well, that and Jack asks, oh, how is that patient doing? And the camera focuses on Lauren. She says, oh, they're doing fine. There's an implication Lauren could be doing fine, but so far. Right, exactly. I I think, and maybe this is what you were getting at, Chris, the implication in this episode is that the Morgan is sick because of the curse. However, I think it is introducing a worry for Lauren that what she's doing could cause her ill effects. Yeah. And Annie freaks out, silently and not so silently. Well, my perspective on that is that if... Lauren does decide that there are too many potential ill effects for what she did to herself, that she'll just turn herself back the way she was rather than act- that she'll actually die or anything like that. That's my suspicion that it might, they might use it as motivation for Lauren to stay human. Mm-hmm. Too much. This idea that she's messing with things that she shouldn't, shouldn't mess with. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that to me is the most logical story that they could tell. Yeah. Well, and the thing that I was upset about besides being worried about Lauren is the fact that the Morgan is sick. And I'm like, oh, show you had better not kill off the Morgan or Ebony. Don't go that way, show. So I did like that at the end, Lauren says, I'm not giving up on you. But still, it's like, I'm worried about the Morgan. I think that actually might be a good lead into a voice message that we got from Matt. Which is what I was going to yeah, say. So let's hear what Matt had to say about the Morgan. Hi, this is Matthew from Australia, sending in some feedback for the Drinks at the Door podcast. I've sent in some feedback for your Orphan Black podcast, but this is the first time sent in for Losco. I firstly want to apologize, because I'm about to be pretty negative for the most part. I've stuck with the show right from the start, so I've obviously got a fair bit of affection for it. But one of the main plots from this episode really annoyed me, and it connects to some of the problems I've had with Losco as it's gone on. Uh, while the main plot with Townsend's Valkyrie gang adventures I enjoyed, uh, the side plot with Morgan's, the Morrigan's uh, sickness irritated me to no end. I just don't understand why Lauren or Bo, actually especially Bo, would care at all that Ebony is sick. The Morrigan from day one in this show has done nothing but murder and cause suffering to innocent Faye and human alike. She has threatened and almost caused harm to Bo and her loved ones on numerous occasions. She's never shown any remorse for her actions. It's stated pretty clearly in episodes like Better Burn or Burn Out than Faye Away or Into the Dark that the Morrigan is pretty much irredeemably villainous. She not only has no compunctions with causing suffering, but she also appears to enjoy it. Uh, at what point has the Morgan done anything to deserve sympathy from Bo or Lauren? And more pragmatically, why would either of them want to nurse her back to health or even to her fey powers when it's an almost guarantee she will use them to harm others the first chance she gets? Uh, it seems strange that the show uh, seems to call upon the audience to also feel sorry for Ebony and to see Lauren in a morally greater light for her actions defaming her and then not turning her back. Our redemption for villainous characters is of course pretty common for TV shows and probably in fiction in general. But the Morrigan has done nothing that would endear her to the audience apart from some humorous lines. Uh, she's a murderer, a mass murderer, in fact, considering how long she's been in power. Why should we care that she might finally die after a lifetime of causing misery to others? And why should we see Lauren as anything other than a hero for stopping her from hurting her loved ones? Is it because she slept with her beforehand to get the job done? Would it have been less morally grey if Lauren had simply shot her with a gun? Uh, this sudden concern for Ebony's welfare just makes no sense to me. And seemingly appears to me more of a, well, we should care because she's a long-time character than any real logic in regards to how the characters would feel. Uh, this reminds me how everyone suddenly seems to forget how Vex is a child murderer, as well as forcing their own mother to do the deed physically, in order for him to join the team. Uh, the mother of those children h- helped save Bo's life as a baby. I wonder how she would react to how buddy-buddy Vex is with Bo these days. 
I understand that he lost his Mesmer for a while, and I believe they tried to tie that into him turning a new leaf, a la Spike gaining a, a soul in Buffy. But these things are not comparable. Spike fought for and gained a soul and became a somewhat new person. Vex simply lost the ability to hurt people. If he had used a knife to kill those children and then lost the ability to use that knife, would that entitle him to the same kind of second chance that he's been given on the show? I just feel that these kind of developments with Ebony and Vex have been more lazy character retcon to facilitate plot than genuine character development. It annoys me that Lost Girl has been so shy of a permanent of permanent negative consequences in the, in the relationships between its characters. After fighting for a bit in Season 4, Bo and Kenzie are fine again. Dyson is fine with Bo and Lauren. Lauren and Dyson are buddy buddies. Kenzie and Lauren became friends. Dyson and Kenzie are BFFs. Everyone just loves everyone. And it's reached the point now where even villains like Vex and Ebony are apparently in on the love. I remember the awesome tension in the first season between the characters we worked out who we could trust and how people maneuvered around each other and I feel like that we had slowly been lost for a general feel-good factor. I'm sorry that I've rambled on for so long in such a negative manner, but this, this did really annoy me last episode, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, especially as uh, you guys appear to enjoy the Ebony storyline in your Quick Thoughts episode. I did enjoy the Valkyrie stuff, good background on Tams and one of her better episodes, so there's some positivity from me. Uh, thank you so much for your podcast. Uh, you three are always great to listen to. Take care. Thank you so much for your voice message, Matt. We really appreciate it. And I, I do really feel you, especially on the point that you made about Vex. I, I think part of what they're doing here is, I mean, Bo is always all about compassion, right? She's compassionate to everybody, even if they're terrible, generally. And so I think there's that as an element. The fact that this is part of what differentiates, I mean, this is a little old school storytelling, but like the good guys, because they're good guys, they care about what happens. You know, the bad, the good guys don't kill the bad guys right. in a lot of of stuff just because like that's what what sets them apart from the bad guys they they're you know it's it's part of that sort of attitude right Mm -hmm. so there's that and i think there might be a good story here for okay now ebony knows what it is to be vulnerable to be human maybe she does get restored to being the morrigan and is fey and whatever and now having had that perspective she will basically flip sides and join with Bo to treat the humans better or or something. Well, I would say to Matt, if this isn't making you sympathetic to the Morrigan to Ebony, that's fair. You know, I, I think that's a perfectly fair perspective to take that you think she did all these horrible things. I think this is something that she deserved. I, I think that's fine. I will say for me personally, it's working on me. I think possibly because of how she got to be in this predicament with Lauren messing with things that I don't know that she should be messing with. And I feel Mm -hmm. Lauren crossed some of her own ethical lines when she did what she did to the Morrigan. So I think that's partially why I'm able to have some sympathy for Ebony, even though she was and always has been a big bad on the show. But if it's that's not working on you personally, like, that's fine. You, You know, that's your reaction. I do think it is in character for both Bo and Lauren to feel badly that they put Ebony at this type of risk because they're neither one of them are the type of folks who go to kill. They go to weaken, to limit, to prohibit people from doing bad things, but their goal is rarely, if ever, to kill people. Well, especially Lauren, who views herself as a healer and who's mm-hmm. calling herself the eternal healer. So as you said, Zoe was really good in that scene where she was showing her guilt over what happened to the Morgan. The whole thing about being a doctor and taking an oath to first do no harm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. 
I think it, it's immoral to turn someone human against their will yeah. or, you know, without their knowing, obviously. That's it's an immoral thing, but it's a gray area, right? right. I mean, this is it's it's a dark gray area yeah. what she did because she is arguably protecting other people. But yeah, I mean, I totally think that Matt has a point that it's hard to be sympathetic just because she is she is a villain. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally get that. But I do think that there's a really good story that they could tell if they do have sympathy towards her and save her. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I feel like they did that a little bit in season three with Vex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's where they're headed with the Morgan. Well, I mean, and, and that's sort of what we've seen a lot, I feel like, is Bowen, her compassion towards other people basically helps them to have similar compassion towards other people. So... I think it is logical for Lauren to feel bad in this situation because this was never her intention, right? She wasn't trying mm-hmm. to kill the Morgan. She was trying to just disable her as a threat. So the idea right. to her that she is potentially putting this person and her life at risk, I think, is logically upsetting for Lauren. For me, I don't feel like the show has tried to, as the kids say on Tumblr, whoopify the Morgan like they did for Vex. They haven't made her this cuddly figure where she was a villain before because most of the season she's been over on the side pestering lauren about turning her fae and lauren obviously has not been prioritizing that project because i think both she and we as the audience are supposed to think that the morgan has gotten her just desserts it wasn't really until this episode where they tried to pull in some sympathy for the Morrigan from both the characters on the show and the audience. And again, I feel like that worked for me because this was an unintended consequence of what Lauren did. She wasn't trying to do this thing. She was just trying to neutralize the Morrigan as a threat. And I do really think that Emmanuel Vogier's performance helped create some sympathy in me for the Morrigan as we see her really face what it is to be vulnerable for the first time. Because essentially, it's it's like a whole thing where they as Faye are living this sort of privileged existence. And so now they've removed that privilege. And now they've seen the other side. Mm-hmm. They've seen what it's like to be human to some extent. Yeah, I think that's really uh, potentially a really fascinating storyline. Because I think that's what we've sort of gotten with Bo's perspective from the beginning of the series, is Bo didn't know she was Faye, mm-hmm. so she's always been sympathetic to humans, because as far as she knew, she was one. So, Chris, you were talking about earlier that you think we maybe could have done with a little less flashback time for Tamsin. I really wish that we had actually taken some of that flashback time and given it to this storyline, because A, I think it was really fantastic, the storyline. I think... Emmanuel mm-hmm. Vogier was great in this episode. I don't think we've seen her be better on this show. This was a fantastic episode for her. Mm-hmm. I watch Lifetime. I <laughs> <laughs> you watch Lifetime. That, that scene is just so beautiful that you can see her devastation, but you could still see her her sense of humor and her anger that she uses as defense come mm-hmm. bubble up to the surface. She was so great in that scene. Oh, yeah. Siobhan says, I wanted to wait in line behind Bo to give the Morrigan a hug to I know, poor Ebony. I know. And again, as I mentioned in our short episode, I've, I've never seen a sick person look more fabulous, but it's the Morgan. Doesn't matter if she's Ebony, you know, technically, if she doesn't have the title of the Morgan, she's still going to look and act fabulous. And that's, again, that was a good thing for Jack to say to her. She's, she's still going to have that armor and that. She's still uh, the goddamn Morgan. Yeah, she's still going to have that attitude. Mm-hmm. So. And I think that will she be does an look asset great, though. for her. Yeah. I don't I don't think I've seen her look more fabulous mm-hmm. on the show. Usually it's like excessively fabulous, which with the crazy hairstyles and the anyway. I think she looks great though. I like yeah. it. 
But I really wish that this storyline had gotten a little bit more screen time, especially because we don't get to hear Ebony's reaction to Lauren telling her that she is a conduit. They end the scene at that point. I know. I know. I was so like, wait, what? No, go back. Well, I was, I'm expecting Ebony to explode and go, you're what? You did this to me and now you're, you know, extended. You're, you did the opposite to yourself. I mean, I would be really pissed if I was Ebony. You know, I just, I thought it was such a potentially explosive scene. And now, again, it made me worry about Lauren. And now I'm like, and they just cut it. And uh, the scene ends. And I'm like, oh. And then I'm mad. But then the scene after that is actually really good. It is. <laughs> so then I, then I forget. And then I think about it later. It's like, wait, we never got closure to that. What was the scene after that? Oh, the scene with... Um, with Bo and Tamsin. Tamsin and Bo, yeah. I'm hoping yeah. that we will get something of a reaction to that somehow. That'll be good. But I was, I felt really disappointed in the moment that we didn't get to see it in this episode. Yeah, I was, I felt it was a little cheated. The other big spot that it's not so much that necessarily they needed more time, but I thought was a little, they cheated with a commercial break was when the Morgan asked Lauren, why didn't you turn me Faye when you had the chance? And Lauren says, I wanted to test the serum to make sure that it was safe. And the Morrigan gives her a steely look and says, test it on who? And then there's, yeah. maybe it's not a commercial break. Maybe it's just it cuts to another scene. How did Lauren get out of that? Because I think we as the audience, we know the answer is she was probably working on it for herself. But she seems so reluctant to say any of that to Bo. So how did she respond to Ebony in that question, in that moment? Again, I'm worried that the reason why Lauren doesn't want to talk about it to Bo about her conduit abilities is that there could be something wrong with Lauren that she's hiding from everybody. Yeah, I'm curious why she's so reluctant to talk to Bo about it. Besides the fact maybe that maybe the she, serum isn't safe. Yeah. Besides the fact that she talked to Jack about it, clearly she mm -hmm. wants to hide that. But <sighs> Lauren has told Bo her situation, so it's not like Bo doesn't know she has abilities. Why wouldn't she tell her? I was working on this thing so that I could be with you forever, or I was working yeah. on this thing so I could be fa be Faye too for our relationship. I, I I'm just not quite sure why she's hiding that aspect of her research. It's only five episodes left. Don't hide stuff, people. It's just gonna all blow up to <laughs> shit and end badly. Especially Docubus. In their defense, I'm pretty sure they don't know they only have five episodes left. I know, but we do, and it sucks. <laughs> Thanks, episode, for making me worry about Lauren even more. <laughs> And the Morgan. It sucked. That aspect. <laughs> but this episode and this really fantastic storyline with the Morgan just made me wish again that she had been more of a prominent figure this season. I think the mm -hmm. storyline with her being human could have been a great season-long thing where we see her most episodes, but she's really been used very sparingly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It seems like she's only shown up every, what, three episodes or so? Or so yeah. yeah. So, Annie, last week you had mentioned that you were not looking forward to any awkwardness between Bo, Lauren, and Tamsin. We did get a little bit at the beginning of this episode, but how did, how did you feel about that scene? Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I really want some of Lauren's toad brownies, though. They look yummy. Brownie toads or whatever. Rocky yeah. toad. R Rocky toads. Because yeah. it's a play on Rocky Road? No. Uh -huh. But they did looked adorable. That? Yeah, I, I okay. got it. <laughs> but they looked adorable, and so did Lauren's face when she's offering to her. Like, peace offering? You know, I know it's awkward, but I have I have baked goods. I liked the callback to Lauren baking when she feels stressed about things. Yeah, another indication that she is stressed, which makes me worry. <laughs> Do you need to go bake some things, Annie? I need chocolate. <laughs> so how about you, Chris? I was happy that in that scene, Tamsin wasn't mean to Lauren. Yeah. 
it was nice. I, I I actually liked that scene. Me too. Because it was it was awkward and uncomfortable, but it wasn't mean. Wasn't hostile. Yeah. I think some fans were kind of giggling that of course the letter is under Lauren's ass. Of course. Yeah, Tamsin, I, I will forgive her because it was very Tamsin. She she does get in a dig later when Stacy mentions, like, you stopped me from getting the hot doctor's soul. And Tamsin says something to the effect of, well, maybe that was a bad idea in retrospect. So she does kind of get a zinger in at Lauren later. But I, that's very Tamsin to me. And she didn't say it to Lauren's face. So yeah. And I don't feel like that was really a zinger so much as a, you know, just like a grumpy aside yeah. you know what me i mean too. i yeah. don't think she actually wants Lauren I, to yeah be dead. i miss that so it's just like a dark sense of humor right right like i i feel like that might be something i'd say jokingly she's, you know what I mean? she's <laughs> just expressing herself in that way because you know she's had her heart broken so she's right. like yeah yeah again i i think it's dark i think it's tamsin's dark sense of humor just bubbling up i don't think she actually wants yeah. lauren to be dead or anything like that oh, right. hopefully <laughs> thanks thanks for bringing that up if Lauren had her own little, like, safety bubble, would you stop worrying, Annie? Yes. <laughs> but as long as the bubble included a lot of docubus sex, which we <laughs> still haven't had. That would make it awkward, I would think. The bubble. But it'd be a great frickin' bubble. <laughs> I think what Annie means is she wants a bow in the bubble with Lauren. But- yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But that probably wouldn't help with our whole get Bo more involved in the main storyline wish list. <laughs> the main storyline just has to be about sex, and there we go. <laughs> Whatever happened to a succubus? different kind of show, Annie. Oh yeah, different kind of show. So moving on to any little stray thoughts we forgot to mention. You got anything for us, Chris? Of course I do. I, I actually, you notice the sort of the, the other person who was at Valkyrie School with with Tamsin and um, Stacy. Stacy, thank you. <laughs> did you did you recognize I her? I did, but I couldn't place her. It's Carol from Bomb Girls. Oh! Played by Carlin Burchell, I think is how you say her name. If it's not, I'm sorry. And I was like, ah, it makes sense that Carol was a Valkyrie because she always kind of was the mean girl of the That's Victory true. Munitions office. This is very true. That's what happened after she left Victory Munitions, became a Valkyrie. Maybe she just already was. That's a true. Valkyrie, That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That explains how she wouldn't have aged in the 10 or however many years it had been. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned at the top, if there were any Sweet Valley High references, they went over my head. Did y'all read Sweet Valley High when you were in? Never did. I was not girly enough no. for that. Me either. The only thing I know is that there were two blonde twins in Sweet Valley High, and that's all I know. Well, we did so, mention there were a lot of blondes in this episode. So, exactly. So, so like, many blondes. Maybe the abundance of blondes was partially a nod to that, but I didn't catch any direct references just because I haven't read the books. I was never a Sweet Valley High or Babysitter's Club type of gal. I read mm-hmm. Encyclopedia Brown books and <laughs> Me too. Boxcar Children books and Nancy uh, Me Drew. too. Those were my books. I read Boxcar Children, Choose Your Own Adventure, Ralph Dahl. Oh, yeah. I was a big mm. Roald Dahl fan. Yep. Me too. I also really liked the in the scene between Trick and Stacy and Tamsin. I liked when <laughs> Trick was like, you have a French fry in your hair. <laughs> yeah. Which I could hardly see for all the blonde hair. But yeah, that was I great. Know, right? But the way that, that Rick Allen said that line really made me laugh. <laughs> it was good. And, and, it, and just, it takes Stacy down a peg. Yes, I'm Freya's right hand. He's like, <laughs> you have no, a French not. fry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Freya's right hand has a French fry. <laughs> and it, it was good to see Freya again, Michelle Nolan again. I, I do mm-hmm. like her a lot in that role. There's, this has been a season of recurring characters, and I thought she was used well here. I like the disheveled Freya look. <laughs> Stacy's like, somebody need needs a shower. Somebody needs yeah. a shower. <laughs> <laughs> 
But going back to Trick, like, I'm just waiting for the Trick and Jack Daddy showdown. When are they going to face each other? Hmm. Hopefully Aoife will be involved in that, too. I but know. But I'm just waiting. Where is she? What happened to I know. her? What no. happened? I can't not give us Aoife before the season is out. I will be very sad if we don't see Aoife. I know. We have questions. So many questions. So I've had to fan wink so hard. <laughs> it's been exhausting this week. Because of all that wanking, Annie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're doing all the wanking. Bo and Lauren aren't doing any. I was waiting. Does it just keep getting worse? We wanted to remind you that we are doing a giveaway with Gold Label Goods, who does the Lost Girl merchandise. So you need to go to either our Facebook page or our Twitter or Gold Labels, Gold Label Goods. Um, it's running through October 5th. So or through October 4th, actually, it ends October 5th. You can actually go to drinkswithadoll.com slash giveaway, and that'll take you to where they can register. Okay. I did not know well, that. that's what I'm telling you. <laughs> now we all know. I think you can actually get additional entries if you follow us on social media, too. FYI. Yes. There are ways that you can get up to, I think, seven entries into the giveaway, and the giveaway is for a mug and a flask, as well as some Lost Girl stickers. Yeah, a sticker pack. I think it's three three stickers, so I, I believe. Designs of your choosing? Yes. I think, I could be wrong about this, I think you can get a promotional uh, code for like 15% off if you enter, too. So go to drinksatthedoll.com slash giveaway. That will take you to the website where you can enter for the prize pack. Well, thank you so much to Matt and to Jay, who sent in voice messages to, for us to use in this episode. We always love getting feedback from y'all. You can tell us your thoughts about this episode over at drinksatthedoll.com slash 115. You can also send us a voice message like Jay and Matt did. You can either record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us at feedback at drinksatthedoll.com, or you can call our listener voicemail line at 972 972- Five one four seven two two three. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks of the Doll. My name is Stephanie. You're a wanker show for not putting in any document sex this week. My name is Annie. And my name is Chris. <laughs> she is Chris disgusted is like, with us. Shut up, Annie. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm so defeated at this point. <laughs> and my name is defeated. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.